Hey there. Ever feel like you just need a break from the day-to-day of work, put on that out of office and be alongside peers learning from fellow nonprofits and industry experts on what they see working when it comes to fundraising, marketing, growing a monthly giving program, retention, everything that encompasses what you do? Well, if so, I have two events for you to mark down. June 4th and 5th is Donor Perfect's Community Conference Spark. It is for any fundraiser wanting to excel in donor management, program innovation, community engagement, and organizational growth, and it is free. So click the link in the show notes to register. And then an event that I have attended three years in a row is the NEO Summit, combining practical, actionable, and very data-informed content with also this really electric and immersive atmosphere. The NEO Summit is more than just a conference. It is a really fun and great place to get away from your desk and innovate your fundraising and accelerate your impact. So you can join hundreds of your fellow nonprofit professionals in Indianapolis in September on the 18th and 19th. And you can save $600 on your ticket right here. It is the lowest price available anywhere. So click the link in the show notes for both of these events. They are incredible. They put on an incredible speaker presentation, all tons of great resources for you. Invest in yourself and the growth of your organization by attending these two phenomenal events. This episode kicks off a three-part series on innovation presented by Fundraise Up. Fundraise Up's donation platform helps nonprofits engage with more supporters and grow revenue by providing easy ways to increase conversion, enable modern payment methods, and personalize the giving experience for every donor. If you visit the websites of UNICEF USA, Salvation Army UK, or the American Heart Association, you'll see their tools hard at work. For more information, visit fundraiseup.com backslash generosity. We have a specific area on our webpage for success stories that are really special stories that our adopters submit of how they found us, how they found the animal, and how the animal has changed their life. And on those pages where we tell their stories, we're able to add a sticky button on there that no matter where they move on the page, there's a donate button on the right-hand side. Hey there, you're listening to the Missions to Movements podcast, and I'm your host, Dana Snyder, digital strategist for nonprofits and founder and CEO of Positive Equation. This show highlights the digital strategies of organizations making a positive impact in the world. Ready to learn the latest trends, actionable tips, and the real stories from behind the feed? Let's transform your mission into a movement. You know how you look at an organization from the outside and think, wow, their team must be huge to accomplish everything they do. I want you to meet Shannon McLaughlin-Kirkman, one of two development employees at Animal Haven and is rocking in her role as the Director of Development and Communications. In today's discussion, she breaks down how she increased their monthly donations by 300% and saw a 40% increase in online fundraising, plus how their Instagram grew from 57,000 followers to 150,000 followers in just a few years. Let's go meet Shannon. Welcome back to another episode of the Missions to Movements podcast. And today I am 
pretty psyched because Shannon is here and we are going to talk about a type of cause that is near and dear to my heart. And that has to do with if anybody has fluffy, adorable, cuddly animals at home, you can resonate. For those of you that follow me on social media, I always post about my labradoodle puppy who's not really a puppy anymore because he's two and a half, but still, I still say puppy, Malo. So Shannon, welcome to the show from Animal Haven. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Of course. So I thought it was really interesting. I always dive into a person's LinkedIn before I bring them onto the show, (laughs) do a little bit of LinkedIn stalking. And we have really parallel, interesting backgrounds in the world of sports that we've both been in, public relations we've both worked in. So what's really brought you to this moment now, being the Director of Development and Comms for Animal Haven? Yeah, I mean, if you had asked me 10 years ago, I never would have thought that I would have ended up in nonprofits, specifically in development and communication. Communications, yes, but development has been kind of an interesting path. But yeah, I thought that I was going to have a career in sports media and sports communications, PR. You did it in college, right? I did. I did. Yeah. So amazing start. I mean, I can't not shout out my University of Texas Longhorns. I was fortunate enough to work with them my senior year in college when we won the national championship in football. So that was just like... oh, And then you guys were our opening game in our new stadium. So I went to UCF and... 2007 was my freshman year in college. And our very first game was against you guys. And we lost by three points. I'm sorry. Three points. Sorry. (laughs) It's painful. (laughs) You were also ranked like, I think three at the time. Yeah. So we felt pretty good about that loss. Yeah. Those were the glory days. Those really were the glory days. Yeah. I mean, it was such a cool experience for me because I was really exposed to some of the sort of the biggest folks in sports media during that time. And it actually was what helped me launch my career in sports after college. And things were looking good. I was, I worked in the NFL for a little while, was working at a private sports agency, and then the economy crashed, you know, 2008, 2009, and I was laid off. So I got a job at a small non-sports PR firm in New York City and was like, I'm moving to New York. Things are looking up. Unfortunately, the the economy took a while to recover and I found myself without a job again shortly thereafter while I was in between jobs and looking for a new job, I started volunteering with Animal Haven, which is where I am now. It was like my first love. (laughs) So I realized while I was here volunteering that this was really what I wanted to be doing. And as much as I love sports, I could always keep that as something that I enjoyed in my downtime. So I worked and worked and kept volunteering and volunteered with a few other animal organizations. As you can hear in the background, we've got some dogs here. Yeah. They're the best <laughs> sound effect in the background. I love it. Never a dull moment at the shelter. After a few years, I was able to get sort of a like entry-level job. So I took a few steps back and started out actually working with the animals hands-on did that for a few years and then moved to a sort of back of house job where I was doing special projects with our, our fundraising operations. And then all of a sudden, the person who worked on development at Animal Haven left and moved for personal reasons. And I kind of just dove in. Our executive director said, hey, do you know anything about this? And I said, admittedly, I don't know a ton, but I'm going to learn. So I went to some conferences and did reading and research. And here we are five years later. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank I you. think career journeys, and I think mine with entrepreneurship is 
I feel like a playground. Like some people say roller coaster, but I'm like, I'm on the swing set sometimes. And then I'm like going across the monkey bars to something like totally different than I did think I was going to be hanging out with, right? So I love that story. For those that don't know, what is the mission of Animal Haven? So we are a sort of mid-sized animal rescue located in New York City. We've been around since 1967. And our main goal is to help homeless pets get rehomed, whether those are stray animals that are found on the streets, whether those are owner surrenders from maybe a family that has some sort of emergency and is not able to keep their pet anymore, We also help local shelters, both locally in New York City and smaller municipal shelters around the country, move animals, transport animals when they are overcrowded. I won't get all into the weeds about municipal shelters and sheltering systems and rescues. What we are is a limited intake shelter. So we will take animals whenever we possibly can, but we're not contracted with a city. So we're able to help out some of those municipal shelters whose jobs it is to take in literally anyone who comes through their doors in order to help reduce the euthanasia rates in those shelters. So it's a really special thing to be able to do. I will say we've got a training program here that works with animals, specifically dogs for the most part, to help try and improve on any behaviors that they're challenged with and help them increase the success rate in their new homes. And we also have a community outreach program that whenever possible to keep an animal in their home with their person. We try and connect them with city resources in order to do so. But when things get really bad or if there's an ongoing medical condition or something where someone's not able to keep their pet, we'll take them in and find them a new home. Love that. And I do want to get to, there's some amazing things that you've done in the tech space with innovation. But I, from a personal curiosity standpoint, we got our dog at the very beginning of COVID, as a lot of people did. Ours was kind of a, our wedding was canceled in Mexico. It was my my 31st birthday that weekend and COVID happened. And I literally turned to my husband or fiance at the time and I was like, we need a puppy. And he's like, that's a very emotional decision right now. I was like, yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) And he is the best thing in our entire life that we can't even imagine not having anymore. But I did want to ask at the very beginning of COVID, there was a surge of people adopting animals, right? Shelters were cleaned out. Everybody was getting a pet. Now that it's been a couple years, are you seeing a reverse of people not able to keep those animals anymore? Or is it still kind of on a high note where people are still adopting at a pretty significant rate? Yeah, that's actually, that was one of our worries was that folks were going to be home. They were going to have the capacity to care for these animals. And then when they started moving back into offices or life got back to normal, that we were going to see significant returns. And I'm really happy to report that at least anecdotally here at Animal Haven, we have not seen an increase in our return rates. I will say it feels like the adoptions are slower this summer. They always tend to be slower in the summer, particularly in New York, because a lot of people leave the city and they vacation with families and kids are out of school. But I'm really, really happy to report that we haven't had a lot of returns due to life changes after COVID. So I I hope that that's the trend around the country. I love that. Thank you for answering my personal question. (laughs) (laughs) I hope sometimes when I'm asking these questions on the show and listeners let me know in the DMs or something when I kind of go off and I'm like, I have this personal question. I hope somebody else can relate to it too. I think a lot of people have those questions. Right? I think so. I do want to dive into some marketing stuff because I'm very impressed with your online fundraising efforts and your tech stack. And I think this has been something that people talk about but might kind of tiptoe around. And so I wanted to really 
talk about for you, when you joined the organization five years ago, what was in place from an online fundraising tool perspective? And when did you realize that those things needed to evolve? Well, when I came in, you know, I was very green in the fundraising space. So I came into an existing platform, which was a large, well-known all-in-one. And while that offered us a lot of options, we weren't really equipped from a personnel standpoint to be able to take advantage of all those options. So we were paying a really, really high price for something that may work for a really large organization, but we just you know, why have all the bells and whistles and all these features that are super customizable if you have the bandwidth to customize and the tech knowledge to customize? We didn't have that. At the time, it was literally just our executive director and me. I feel lucky to have a wonderful open relationship with my executive director. And I went to her and I was like, look, I don't know if this is just me not knowing how to use the system or if this system isn't great for us. But I'd love to do whatever learning I can to try and make it work. And otherwise, I'd like to switch. And she was like, let me tell you, I have not been happy in this system. Let's do what we can here and try to make it work. Otherwise, I'm open to trying to make a switch. So I actually went to a few conferences and went to sessions that were specifically focused on doing CRM migration and doing a sort of a la carte system rather than this big all-in-one, I became more confident that this was something that not only we could do, but would be really good for our bottom line. And actually, at one of those conferences is where I met the folks from Fundraise Up, which is now our donation platform. I was so impressed by their tool. It was really, really early days when they had just started. I think they were maybe a year into building their platform. And I was so impressed. And I came back and I did a demo for our executive director. And she was like, we have to figure out systems to work around this specific fundraising platform because I've never seen something so... The AI behind it, the donor experience, it was just fantastic. So... I was able to get some budget approved by our board of directors and we dove in. So it was about a year after I started and became really confident that it wasn't just us, you know, it wasn't just a lack of knowledge about the platform. It really was that we were paying for something we weren't utilizing. So we dove in and took us about eight months, but we migrated all of our systems over and were able to pick and choose which ones worked best for us. So it wasn't without some challenges and some trip ups and a whole lot of learning. But it's been really good for us in the end. And it's been about two and a half years since we moved over to our new systems. Awesome. I love that. I am a big proponent of believing that usually a platform is really, really good at one, maybe two things. And the rest of it, they're like, me, like we just threw it in there because like it has to be because of X, Y, and Z or for marketing purposes. I, in my business, I have a different video tool I have a different podcasting tool. I have a different email. I have a different, like, I have all different platforms because I think they are all individually the best in their craft at what they do and providing really what I need instead of trying to find one, like, full service solution that might be kind of like half good at X, Y, and Z things. And I'm a really big believer also in something that you have, which is recurring donor programs. So I just want to read a couple of stats that are super impressive. 
you had a 300% increase in sustaining monthly donations, 40% increase in online fundraising totals since the launch. What do you think made that happen and made that possible? I think in addition to the fact, I just, I'm such an evangelist for fundraising up because, well, let me reverse for a second. I will say two things here. I think overall our donor experience is better. I think that it looks better. It's easier for our users. And we also have these really cool tools, the elements that they offer in Fundraise Up that we're able to, we're able to put QR codes on all of our business cards. We're able to put QR codes on our signage. We're able to have data-driven insights about who is donating, where they're donating, what's driving donations, who's clicking on what buttons in our emails. All of that data is so, so important for us to be specifically able to target our fundraising to the people who have the propensity to give. The second thing is what Fundraise Up allowed us to do in particular was capacity build. We are now a team of two. We have grown from one to two. And really, I have to include our executive director because she does so much work. So technically, we're a team of three. But the folks that are specifically tasked to do our development and fundraising are myself and a manager that I've got working on my team. So we were spending a lot of time building our donation pages and keeping them updated and running reports to email sustainers and let them know that their credit card had failed or you know trying to upgrade them and we're able to automate that now with our new systems so we're able to use that time to focus on stewardship on social media on all of the millions of other things we do as busy people in the industry so at uh, the capacity building was such a huge part of that and the data and the insights were so important It's true. I am a tech nerd. And when tech and good come together, I am all on board. Animal Haven was searching for a better online giving solution to provide increased medical care for animals in need. While other platforms promise a long list of features, none promise to grow revenue like Fundraise Up. With a 40% increase in online revenue, a 305% increase in the value of its recurring program, and a 264% increase in the number of recurring donors, SNAPS, Animal Haven was able to save more animals and find them a happy home. Find out how your organization can gain more donors, grow your revenue, and extend its impact by visiting fundraiseup.com backslash generosity. Yeah, I'm going to put link in the show notes for everyone. Nick Miller and I have done an updated demo of all the new features that they've come out with recently. I think also one thing I love is they are continuously iterating on being one of the most innovative online donation platforms. I think when we think about, and I preach this all the time, is donors are consumers. And if we as consumers are purchasing from for-profit organizations with like a one-two click, done, that is the same expectation that we are going to have when we go to a nonprofit site, or we are going to leave the same way that we have to think about if these organizations like the Nikes of the world have spent billions of dollars on consumer data and research, and they know exactly how to get somebody to purchase something on a page. What I love is that Fundraise Up in their elements that you mentioned has, they've kind of done that mirror and parallel work as well. So for example, 
let's just say they get busy and they X out of donation block. A little pop-up comes up, right? It says, did you forget to like make your gift of whatever amount it was? And you're like, oh yeah, just kidding. Like I did want to do that. <laughs> and then you can click on that for it to come up. And the elements really allow, and I think this is a game changer. I am right now, we were talking about this beforehand. I'm helping six organizations build and launch their recurring donor programs. And what I've noticed is most of the time, the only page to donate on a nonprofit's website is the donate page. Instead of if you bring me to, let's just say with a social ad, you're bringing me to a blog and that is a an emotional blog that's talking about your impact, but then there's nowhere as I scroll down that page to give or if that header at the top, that donate button just disappears and by the end of the blog, like, I'm done, I'm out, I'm not gonna like scroll back to the top again. The elements allow you to really seamlessly like immerse donation elements that don't feel like the archaic donate buttons that we used to have. And I think to your point, like that's what makes the biggest difference. Like, are you thinking about, and I I would ask everybody and to go to your websites and like do a self-assessment audit. Think about if you didn't know who the organization was, if this was your first time visiting the website, like where do you give? Is it hard to find that place to give? How many times can you find the ability to give, right? Just do kind of do that like self-check. The tool like Fundraise Up makes that so easy. And like I onboard Fundraise Up. There's a link down below if anybody's curious on onboarding where I am not a developer. <laughs> I am not a coder. That is not my skill set. I will never say that I am, but I can onboard this tool. And that's saying quite a lot for somebody who has no background in like complicated HTML coding and anything like that I can figure it out. But when you are doing that kind of comparison with platforms and talking to your executive director, I know sometimes it can be hard for people to get buy-ins. If somebody is at that place that you were at a few years ago, where would you recommend that they start? One of the biggest elements in addition to improving our donor experience was also reducing our costs. And it was really amazing to be able to line all of these different options up and go, oh, wow, I can actually see a realized cost reduction of X amount after the initial sort of, we spent a little bit of budget implementing everything, but we saw real cost savings with this. So not only are you improving your fundraising results, but we were, like I said, sort of getting rid of these elements, not elements, the elements to the previous system that we didn't utilize. And now we're not paying for them anymore. Aside from costs though, I really enjoyed looking at the integrations and seeing what integrated with various systems. And we actually started using Fundraise Up before there was a native integration with the CRM that we chose. And so we were able to use Zapier to build in temporary integrations before Fundraise Up actually went and developed a native integration, the CRM that we're using. What CRM are you using, if you don't mind me asking? We're using Kindful, and I've been happy with it. I believe they were actually acquired by Bloomberg a little while back. A Bloomerang, I'm sorry, a while back. But we've been happy. We've been really happy with the integration between Fundraise Up and Kindful. It's more user-friendly. The entire system creates a better experience for our donors, which, like you said, is, is invaluable when you are a customer who is busy and, hey, I wanted to help your organization, but I went 
to your website and I couldn't even figure out where to give. And then I tried to give and then the form was wonky, you know, that's going to lose you donors. And (laughs) like you said, we have a specific area on our webpage for success stories that are really special stories that our adopters submit of how they found us, how they found the animal and how the animal has changed their life. And on those pages where we tell their stories, we're able to add a sticky button on there that no matter where they move on the page, there's a donate button on the right-hand side. So little things like that, I feel like are what our donors love. And I would look at those offerings from the different platforms when you are considering making a move. I didn't have trouble getting buy-in from my executive director because she saw that and she was like, this is amazing. I've never seen this before. (laughs) And it's exactly how I felt too. If I am a user of your donation system, I'm going to be like, this is adorable. When you're prompted to become a monthly donor instead of just making a one-time donation and you agree to it, these little hearts sort of float up from it being like, thank you. You know, that (laughs) makes me feel like an incredible person because I've changed my $10 one-time donation to a $5 monthly donation, you know? So yeah, those are the elements I think I'd look for if I were looking for a new platform. Perfect. Thank you for diving into that. And I want to lean into what you're just talking about with your recurring donor program. It's called Forever Friends. And as you're talking about as a Labradoodle owner, I'm a very big fan of supporting animal organizations. When did Forever Friends start? Forever Friends came into the picture probably about 15 years ago. It was long before I started here or started even volunteering. Animal Haven had a recurring monthly donor program, but it was sort of passive. It was just like, if you want to change the radio button on the donation form of your own volition, you could decide to donate monthly instead of donating one time. And that was about as far as it extended. You know, I mean, we sent acknowledgments and thank yous and then tried our best to find the capacity to reach out to folks when their recurring donations didn't process. And we had a better retention rate than that of one-time donors, but still not great. When we moved over to the new systems, that's actually automated now for us. So an email will go out when a credit card can't process for some reason and reminds the donor that something has not gone through with their donation and gives them a direct link to update their information in the donor portal And then we track that then manually afterwards. And if we look to see if they're opening the emails and if for some reason they're not, we will reach out to them personally. But that's just saved me so much time. And it's resulted in over 90% donor retention with our monthly donors. That's incredible. Did you see a big jump in monthly donors of people signing up when you did do the switch? Yeah. I mean, it was incredible. There is an automated upsell on this donation form. So when you go to make a one-time donation it automatically, it's built into the system. It says, hey, instead of giving this amount one time, would you like to make a slightly lower donation, but make it monthly? And we see a significant adoption right there. And that's where you get the 300% increase number from. It was just two years after implementing that we saw 300% increase. So that was just, I mean, that blew my mind. I was really impressed. I'd love to take credit for it, but the systems, (laughs) we do do a a twice annual sustainer drive, but that was the system. That was really the system doing the work. Well, it's the systems and it's the people who put the systems into place. So I am going to give you some credit for that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You're very welcome. I want to pivot a little bit to talk about something that I thought was fascinating. I love to talk about social media and Instagram 
has been a place that has helped a lot of nonprofits raise a ton of awareness for their organizations. And also Instagram, for me anyways, within the direct messages is a great place for community as well. And in the comments of posts, you took an Instagram that had about 57,000 followers in 2018 and now has 150,000 and growing followers. So I think what everybody wants to know is, Shannon, like, tell us your secrets. <laughs> what, what did you put into place that kind of made that shift happen? I'd love to say I have a lot of secrets, but I think we just put more energy into our storytelling. I came into it with 57,000 followers. So what the folks were doing before that were handling it were, you know, they had already built a pretty strong foundation. Like you said, we really dove into our DMs, really started engaging our followers making sure we were answering questions, making sure that we were responding to comments. And, you know, when people had questions about an adoptable animal there, we would respond. I think the biggest part was our storytelling. We improved the quality of the content that we were sharing, both through some user-generated content, as well as some volunteers that were helping us to create content. I'm a firm believer that I think stories can be absolutely transformational. Absolutely. Storytelling is a foundation of getting your mission out, right? You have to tell a good story and you have to figure out who your audiences are in order to tell that story in a way that they can digest it. But if you're not getting to that audience, if you don't have the data to get to that audience to figure out who your audience is, it's like a tree falls in a forest and no one was there to hear it. <laughs> you know, didn't really make a sound. We started paying attention to our metrics and to the data that we could gather both from Instagram and also from you know the actions that were being taken on our website and on our donation forms, which was partially in concert with this tech stack migration. And we were able to really hone down on who our audience was and start not only creating content for them, but meeting them where they were. And we figured out that Twitter was really not where our audience was. So we have a Twitter account. But we're not super active on it. And again, that built capacity for me and now our team to be able to really focus on where our audience is. And that's mostly Instagram. We figured out that our supporters on Facebook are mostly cat lovers. We have dog lovers there, but really our cat content. Yeah, it was a process. But we figured out that our people on Facebook really love the cat content. So we tell mostly about our cats on Facebook. So yeah. The platform-specific content was really big to increasing our engagement. And here we are today, you know? I mean, it's always a challenge keeping up with the trends and keeping up with the changes. And of course, it's a challenge to keep up with the content creation. But it's a major way that we connect with our supporters and with our adopters. So it's a really important area for us to keep focus on. Yeah, you are leaning into one of my favorite things, which is platform-specific content. And really being able to dive into what are the specifics about what's interesting, what's engaging people on a specific platform and just like dive into that. And don't focus on the platforms that aren't generating you engagement and that your audiences aren't there. There's an episode, it's episode number 20 called Three Tips on How to Make Your Content Stand Out. If anybody's curious and I dive kind of more into what Shannon was just talking about. So that's episode 23 tips on how to make your content stand out if you want to check that out. But really where I kind of want to wrap with you is in two sections. I have a we must know section and an ask and receive section. So Shannon, we must know, 
Which social media or digital platform are you most intrigued by right now? So I love TikTok. I think that it is just so fascinating the way that their algorithm works and the way that content is consumed. But really, my big focus is Instagram Reels. I think that particularly for us, particularly for Animal Haven, that's where a lot of our audience is. So I think Reels is really going to be what Instagram is about in the future. I think that's going to take over the majority of the content that you're seeing on Instagram. It's what Instagram's prioritizing. And I'm just thinking from myself, that's the content I tend to be drawn to when I open up Instagram. So I am placing a lot of focus on Instagram Reels. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. Well, they're all about the video content. For a lot of people, they've already expanded your view to be full screen taken over on Instagram content with the visuals. So they're definitely leaning towards more of the TikTok aesthetic as far as the looks of the platform. Second question for you, what is your must follow account and on which platform? Okay, I'm going to give you two because I can't narrow it down. I'm (laughs) absolutely obsessed with these two accounts. And of course, they're both what we hashtag Animal Haven alums. They were both adopted from Animal Haven. So one has really caught a huge following, which is at booby underscore Billy. That's B-O-O-B-I-E underscore B-I-L-L-I-E. And she is this fabulous rescue chihuahua who actually was in foster with one of our supporters, John Slattery, for a little while. And his older dog, Peanut, who was also adopted from us, was like, "Eh, no, I'm not happy with this puppy. (laughs) So she ended up back at the shelter and was adopted by this amazing, amazing person who, well, you'll go to her account and see. She's fabulous. She's the most fabulous chihuahua you've seen. She dresses up (laughs) in couture and it's, she's just, she's so She's really a great advocate for rescue. We all need some beautiful decked out chihuahuas coming down our feeds. We need more happiness in our lives with that. Couture chihuahua. You can't pass it up. And the other one is, is just a super sweet, inspiring story of a dog that was rescued from India. His name is Rocky. The Instagram account is at Rocky and A-N-D, Waldo. Rocky was adopted from us. Waldo was not, but she's also a rescue. Rocky had some significant damage to his front left leg. So we ended up amputating it. So he is a tripod who is adventuring out into the world and his sister Waldo is blind. So we've got a tripod and a blind dog just navigating the world together, going out on all these adventures with their dad, who is amazing. So really, I'd say follow any Animal Haven alums because we have the most amazing adopters and you know they showcase their animals on Instagram. But those two in particular, I'm, I'm really loving. I love that. Everyone search hashtag Animal Haven alum. So cute to find out more Animal Haven alums. That's beautiful. Shannon, lastly, what is one thing that you would like to ask for help or support on from the listeners? We could use a bit more work in the paid social area. So if anybody has expertise there, it's more of a capacity thing for me, but everything is constantly changing and we're constantly learning. So if anyone is interested in giving your tips and tricks, I'd love to hear them. I've got my like slow hand raise. That's my jam. So I'm happy <laughs> to help j- you with that. Yeah, that's your jam. <laughs> that's my jam. Yeah, we can chat. We can chat offline. Yeah. Shannon, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Where can people reach out to you? You can find us 
on our website, animalhaven.org or on Instagram specifically at Animal Haven. We're also on TikTok at Animal Haven. That's H-A-V-E-N. Awesome. Thank you, Shannon, so much. And I know that the sports world doesn't have you in media, but I'm pretty confident to say that we are very happy to have you in the nonprofit space helping out these lucky animals. So thank you so much for all you do. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. Can you tell I love talking all things digital? To make this show better, I'd be so grateful for your feedback. Leave a review, take a screenshot of this episode, share it on Instagram stories, and tag Positive Equation with one E so I can reshare and connect with you.